0: guys welcome back to the click episode six and we are both back in our studio finally (laughs) after all this mess so we're getting back to work and i know a lot of our local businesses are getting back there as well right now and i think everybody's extremely anxious so uh here in north carolina we've got a lot of restrictions that are lifting uh tomorrow yep actually so phase one yep and we're seeing and i think that's that's retail up to 50 percent. so i think we're going to see a lot more just action in general i mean honestly lately the past couple weeks it kind of looks like nothing i mean has changed there's everybody's out and Mm -hmm. about but anyways uh you know i i think everybody's uh excited to get back i I know we're excited to have our team back here in the office and and you back in the podcast with us here so uh without further ado let's get started with episode six of the click we'll jump right into our headlines and i'll pass it over to my co-host elena
1: Awesome. Um, Well, we're going to start off with Google again. Um, And they removed 2.7 billion ads. um, And that's up from 2.3 the previous year. So that's huge. Um, And they're doing this in efforts partly because of COVID, but also that what they're trying to do is decrease this malicious activity um, from advertisers and publishers. Uh, So the targeted areas include passport ad scams, which I thought was pretty interesting that that's one of their biggest problems. And then the other was trick-to-click ads, so just ads that aren't legitimate um, and people trying to really just scam other people.
0: Passport ad scams. Yeah. What, what's up with that?
1: Um, so what it is, it's just people saying that they're a passport agency and they're going to help you get their passport. People click on the ads. They put in all their information and they are stealing their identity. Wow. Take, yeah. So make sure you're clicking on the right ad. Um, and then this actually goes into another um, initiative that Google's doing. And they are... Um, they announced that they're doing their advertiser verification program beyond political advertisers. So before it was just for political advertisers. Now it's going to be for everyone. Mm. Um, this is going to come out in phases over the next few years. But really what it's going to do is that, so when you scroll over that advertiser, it's going to say where uh, their account is set up and then just if they are legitimate. So I think this will really help. Um, it really aids in, in this malpractice um, of ads, I think
0: so google searchers are actually going to see that when yeah. on a search result page yes. when when they hover over an mm-hmm. ad
1: yeah which okay. i think is great and i think from um any advertiser perspective i think it just legitimizes us as an industry, um, being able for the consumer to scroll over and know that that's a legitimate business, that that ad that they're clicking on right. really is 10% off yeah. or whatever the offer is. I think that'll really aid in click-through rates, um, aid in just, like I said, the industry in general. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that adds that authenticity factor that is uh, is often missing in those, so mm-hmm. that's cool.
1: Yeah, and they did have it, um, like I said, for political advertisers. They started first launched it in 2018, um, so obviously it's doing well, but I think just extending that to all advertisers across the board um, can only just help their services to succeed.
0: So are they still banning uh, any updates on just the overall banning of coronavirus-related ads? Um,
1: They're just doing a lot of, they're monitoring it. So they really ramped up, during this time, they really ramped up their ad process. Um, And that's something, too, is that, I mean, we've gotten disproved of ads, you know? It happens all the time. Um, But really, they're just honing in on it. They're making sure that every link, every publisher, every Mm -hmm. platform, every landing page, everything is legitimate and what it's supposed to be. Um, But no, I know no mass um, selling sale. You can't do an ad or like anything like that. I wonder what that
0: looks like on their uh, internal team though. You know, with everybody, I'm pretty sure that they're all still remote for the most part. I'm I'm sure they have a a small team internally Mm -hmm. that they're, they're keeping, but to be able to, to monitor, I know a lot of that's automated, but still there's, there's still a lot of manual eyes on Swinking it that have through, to happen, yeah. right, and, and click-throughs and making sure that the content's all matching and whatnot. So Absolutely. they're still, you know, with everything going on, they're they're still putting a, a lot of effort into that. So that's mm-hmm. great for everyone.
1: Yeah, and people will start um, seeing this information starting at beginning this summer. So okay. it'll start shortly. So okay. I think it's great. Very cool. And then Google also, um, they came out with their May 2020 core update. Another update. Mm-hmm. Another <laughs> SEO update. And that last one was in January, so only a few months ago. Yep. Um, this is the second one of the 2020 year. And whenever uh, Google updates its search ranking algorithms, it means that your site can do better um, or worse in the search results. So it's really important to note.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, anytime that these come out, and that's why we're talking about it, it's important just to look at your search results and, and your ranking, see what's happening. Absolutely. How are you fluctuating? up and down when they, because it, as we all know, they're they're very um, discreet mm-hmm. uh, about what they release within the update. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of information on this, you know, like most of them. So uh, really the only thing that they, they kind of talked about was just reiterating quality content. Mm-hmm. And And at the end of the day, what they're always trying to do with these updates for anybody that doesn't know is they're just always trying to make sure that when you search for something, you're getting the best possible result back uh, to answer what you're looking for. So answer the question right. answer the question or you know whatever it may be, the product or service that you're looking for. so they're they're just always trying to make sure that people are not manipulating that, and that's what we've seen over the years with um you know so, so many black hat related SEO tactics that that people do to try to cheat those algorithms, and they're just constantly trying to battle those. Uh, people that are mm-hmm. finding those little nuance workarounds and to help their their sites rank better, and we see it all the time. And we'll we'll see a site that's got and you'll look at it and you're like, oh my god, uh, how did how did all of a sudden they jump up here? Mm-hmm. And you go through and you look at it, and they've done all these things they shouldn't be doing. And and usually within you know a couple few weeks it'll it'll get flagged and yeah. it'll be removed or or you know sent into the deep web and <laughs> you know, to never be found again. So uh, really, again, I mean, there's there's this is happening over the next couple of weeks, I think Mm -hmm. they're rolling this out to everybody. So it's not a jump on now and see if anything has happened to your rankings, but kind of watch what happens over the next week or two uh, to see how you can adjust. Where did you fall down? If a page did fall, uh, assess that page, assess the content. It doesn't mean that you you intentionally did something bad or wrong Mm -hmm. in Google's eyes, but you need to assess that page and, and see, okay, why did this, Potentially get flagged, and what do we need to update yeah. here so that we can bring it back up in the ranking? So, um, again, just focusing focusing on quality content as a whole.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's important overall. It's something we've been honing in on, especially during um, this virus. Is quality content? You need to assess your messaging. Make sure you're talking to your consumers, um, the right audience, yep. everything. So it all listening goes back. to them too. Yeah, right? absolutely. So this kind of goes into what we were just talking about, um, corporate company culture. Uh, It's something we've talked about heavily, I really think, for the past few weeks. And I really wanted to talk about it today. Um, And just about the huge lessons, I think, that we can learn from this crisis. Um, And looking forward uh, to keeping, making sure that corporate culture is assessed and we're making sure that our employees and our clients are taken care of.
0: Yep, definitely. So there's a lot of companies that are doing this in a variety of different ways and it's always kind of that fine line that that businesses have to walk um and and Mm -hmm. and I think about this a lot from my perspective from an owner from an owner's perspective of obviously you're you're trying to make sure that the the business is doing the right thing fundamentally from a financial aspect to obviously keep the doors open and 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 do what you're supposed to do and, and pay your employees and and keep the business running and, and remain profitable, all all of those things. Uh, but then the whole other side of that that is that is just as important is is your team and yeah. how to make sure that um, you're balancing the right approach and doing the right things through all of this. Which so many companies have experienced, like just a sudden, you know, complete stop of revenue, mm-hmm. right? And, and in some cases, I mean, it just totally dried up out of nowhere. Um, and so looking at that. And trying to make sure that you're planning and being strategical to make sure that the business survives, but also uh, adding into your, into your strategic plan, some empathy about what your, what your employees are going through because everybody's, Mm -hmm. everybody's experiencing something. And and obviously if your revenue dries up and there's nothing to do and it's like, well, Hey, how do, how do I keep paying these employees? You want to do that. How do you do it? How do you allow them to. Work remotely. Work remotely to remain safe, um, and and just kind of a new overall environment of moving forward. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of a lot of companies that are doing a variety of different things right now with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is just um, one of the quotes I pulled um, from this Forbes article: "Is our shared human energy is what drives organizations," which I thought. It was crazy and especially during this time um where everything's virtual everything's digital now um and I think in the future this it's going to continue I think that e-commerce is going to continue to thrive but really at the core of it it's what it's what we are it's the energy that keeps us going and I think you can also just look at businesses in general that are thriving or businesses that like we talked about in the beginning mm-hmm. are embracing this are talking to their um, employees, are making sure that everyone is all in and that they're ready to kind of weather the storm. And I think that businesses who took that advice in the beginning are going to come out in the next few weeks stronger on the I other agree. side. I
0: agree. Absolutely. Definitely.
1: And um, an example of this, where you going to... No, go ahead. Okay. Um, is Volvo. So I was going to okay. go into our next thing. Um, what are they doing? Just the huge effect. So the automotive industry has taken a huge... just. Not, I don't want to say plummet, um, but they've really felt the effects of this, and particularly uh, in sales have been down 41% in March compared to the previous year, and that's nationwide, um, just with shutdowns and everything. So That's huge. 41%. I'm sure they're
0: anticipating that probably going to be even higher for April. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think GM just had their numbers released uh, a couple of days ago sometime this week, and um, somehow they squeaked out a profit, but uh, revenue was – way, way down. yeah, And it, it wasn't, uh, you know, they just, w- the point of the, the article that I read was just like, they expect this to be when the April numbers come out, they expect mm-hmm. it to be much, much worse than the numbers that we're talking yeah. about right now, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. And then they also note, um, so this is what talking about Volvo that, um, they noted the most significant drop would be just like you said in April at 60 to 80% yeah. below wow. what was initially wow. forecasted which is huge. So even these, I mean, these big corporate businesses are feeling the effects that you never thought it would. Everyone needs a car.
0: Yeah. And I think from when we try to localize that a little bit, right. I mean, we were talking about kind of the the behemoths in the auto Mm -hmm. industry from a corporate standpoint. Think about all the uh, locally owned and operated dealerships for these, right. I mean, that's, those are the ones that are, really? you know, yeah. really, really hurting. And think about, you know, all the sales and service staff and admin stuff that they have. Um, and there's just, you know, it's extremely difficult for them to find a way to continue forward when they're not selling cars like that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they get, we we know a lot of how the auto industry works and, mm-hmm. and how many, you know, it's all quota based on how many cars that you sell and um, the incentives that are given from the auto, man, auto manufacturers to those dealerships. So... I know that they're all working together Mm -hmm. with that. And, you know, um, so, you know, Volvo working with their individual dealerships and GM and everybody else, they're they're all understanding of that. And back to what we just talked about with empathy of, Hey, obviously we can't just keep things moving forward Mm -hmm. with a, you know, the same way that we operated before, because this, this is everybody. It's not just that one shop, um, you know, in Wyoming that is not doing well and, Oh, Hey, they collapsed and fell. So, um, you know, I've we've seen a lot of these automotive uh, dealerships adapting, trying to adapt very, very quickly. And I'll I'll give a lot of them credit for we saw that very early on in March when you know trying to figure out different ways at home delivery Mm -hmm. and kind of which our
1: own clients did a great job. Yeah, they did. Our auto clients, um, they got right on that. And that's
0: And, and pushing that messaging out. Yeah, right. And how do we? helping them align that to what people are looking for. So now they're at home. Now they've got all the time in the world to browse on their phone and their computers and look at things and people are getting stimulus checks Mm -hmm. and it's starting to make them think, Hey, maybe I should go do this or, Mm -hmm. you know, go buy that car that now I've got a down payment for whatever it may be. And um, so trying to craft that messaging around the new environment that's around them. So Mm -hmm. I think they're all adapting really well. I mean, obviously nobody, you know, they, they don't want to be in the situation that yeah. they're in and they're not they're not necessarily happy or content with it but they've they've really taken on an, uh, a quick understanding of how to position themselves in this in the new norm.
1: Yeah, absolutely And I think um, an example of this is I mean Volvo they so they came out they had a webinar um, with clickxi and they actually, Discussed their marketing plan, what they did, um, and so based on the pre-virus uh, forecast, Volvo decided to cut all media spend ex- for April, and May, except for paid search. I'm sorry, um, can
0: can you repeat that? Yeah,
1: it, all media spend <laughs> except for paid search. Um, which why is, is that? Because it's based on consumer intent. Mm-hmm. Um, so when someone search, I mean, someone searches for something, it's right there. Uh, so I think just that in and of itself is crazy, sure. and I think it really adds validity sure. to the whole aspect of paid search. And
0: they're really looking for, you know, it's its always been one of those tactics where you can look at a direct ROI, mm-hmm. a direct results marketing effort of uh, this money spent here absolutely resulted in this. You know, we, we had this many, obviously from a high level clicks and impressions. Okay, what did they do when they came to our website? All right, how many did we convert from there? Um, and, and what did they do? So there's there's so many other things in the marketing world that you mm-hmm. just, you can't t- follow that trail to understand where those dollars are going yeah. so that proves the point uh more than ever that uh you know you number one you don't want to take away your paid advertising yeah. dollars but or two it's it's one of the best tool best marketing strategies that you mm-hmm. can do because you can track all of that right yeah. and and in so real for, time <laughs> in real time and and take it back to you know the c-suite and your management and ownership and, and whatever else it may be and say well look this is why we should spend the money yeah. Because it's, it's resulting in this. It's working. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that's really cool out there doing that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And then just back even on like the Google aspect, I mean, in within paid search, that's a, a Vol- Volvo is a well-known brand. So they're going to come up uh, from a consumer standpoint. They might be more willing to click on that knowing it's verified, knowing that like we just talked about, knowing that they have authority to be posting these ads. And when you put in your contact form, it's not just going to a random organization. Um, But back on, yeah, back on Volvo. So they actually practiced the crisis um, growth recovery model, like we talked about in the previous episode, which I thought was awesome. So they really, their first kind of step was to take inventory. They really looked at all the Volvo dealerships Mm -hmm. across the country and found out that majority of them had to close. Um, So from there, they kind of operated, figured out what they needed to do. They took inventory. Um, Their second step was they reviewed messaging, like you just said, and adjusted it, made sure that car delivery, if dealerships were able to offer that, Mm -hmm. that they were, that they were making sure that their contact, um, that people were able to still get in touch with the dealerships, even if they were close, things like that. Um, The third was capture demand with search marketing. To that, so important, just like we just talked about, Um, but also, As you mentioned, stimulus checks, people, there are people that are still looking for cars and that's where they're going to go to look for them. They're going to look on Google. Um, So that was their third thing. So after they assessed everything, they kind of went to, all right, let's start acting upon it. Um, And then the fourth is take note of changing search behavior um, and trends and tailor content accordingly. So making sure, kind of monitoring that and making sure that they are, reassessing and going back through that um if they need to change anything that's really
0: cool so they've we talked about this a couple episodes ago Mm -hmm. with the the crisis recovery growth model uh, crg and so they they went through that whole the crisis phase adjusting all their messaging like you said and just kind of okay stop the bleeding and get under fix things and make sure everything needs to be where it is going through that crisis phase recovery um you know Looking at the messaging, making sure mm-hmm. that all of that is done appropriately, and then really quickly moving into that growth phase of capturing the demand, the new demand that is yeah. now on coming from search marketing. So that's really cool to see them take uh, that that initiative and align really the the same idea, ideology, and and um, framework that mm-hmm. we went over a couple of weeks ago. Um, at, not saying they got that from us whatsoever, <laughs> but um, it's, it's cool to see, uh, a company like that follow a a very similar structure and be successful Mm -hmm. with it too.
1: Mm -hmm. And coming out, yeah, really with this new normal. Um, and they mentioned, so they mentioned that the second, uh, recovery phase, so really coming back, um, making sure that everything is in place that they have tailored their messaging is expected for May, June, and then July through December is their third phase. Um, so, I think that's also important to note that this isn't a three-month thing. This isn't one boom, 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 that it's going to take some time. Um, the market needs to adjust. Everyone needs to adjust. Um, and just make note as a business that it's not the end. The, there's light at the end of the tunnel, yep. but it may it's going to take a lot of work, and it may take a little bit of time.
0: Uh. Yep, that it is. Very cool. Well, that wraps up our uh, headlines mm-hmm. for this week, and we are in part three of, uh, we're going to move into part three of our social media marketing series, which uh, goes into just the four different aspects of social media marketing, making sure that everybody understands all the different nuances of, of how to approach it and how to be successful with it. Because there's, it's one of the things that we probably see the most frustration with out of just general marketing uh, strategies and, and how to be successful Mm -hmm. with it from, from a business standpoint. So uh, the, four, the four different aspects, social listening, we went over that a, a couple weeks ago, and social influencing uh, was our last one. And then today, we're going to focus on social networking. So, uh, And then next week, we'll finish up the series with social selling. So just to recap, social listening, monitoring, and responding to customer service and reputation management issues on the social web, that's just the general listening to what is your audience saying? What do they, what do they want from you, right? If you just listen, you can adapt to um, your messaging and, and your content uh, social influencing establishing authority on the social web often through the distribution and sharing of valuable content so making sure that the content that you are generating is really quality content yeah. it's exactly what they're what they're looking for and this week social networking finding and associating with authoritative and influential individuals and brands on the social web so um finding and associating authoritative and influential individuals and brands. We, we see this uh, quite a bit. I think everybody's seen it in some capacity, Mm -hmm. you know, building up that network that really kind of public relations side of your business uh, where to help you amplify your marketing messaging. So interacting with people on social media in, in any, in any way, shape or form that you can to build your audience. And that, that is really where you can help to bring in finding and associating with, you know, different influential people that are in your same industry. Yeah. Um, and and that that takes some time. That that really takes a lot of time. Actually, Gary V. harps on this a lot about, you know, are you going to put in the time to, you know, talk to, you know, comment and share and do all these different things with anybody that's in the same industry vertical that that you're in, are you going to take the time? You know, I think he always says eight, 10, 12 hours a day of just nonstop engaging, engaging, right? And it works. It really does work. It's just (laughs) a matter of who, you know, are you going to put that time in? And it's it's difficult, I think, from uh, a lot of businesses to obviously, number one, find the time to be able to do that, Mm -hmm. but to understand what that's going to look like on the back end. Okay. I've put all this effort in. What am I going to get out of this by, by doing it? So you're, you're building up that audience yep. as a whole, it takes time and then you can produce that quality content to distribute to them. So you're, you're building up by just kind of, it's, it's almost like physically networking yep. locally. Right. It's and
1: just like traditional PR, yeah. just literally in a, just like you said, in a digital space. Yep. Um, so the exact same, just using these um, avenues, traditional media, uh, really similar. Just I just keep thinking of LinkedIn. I mean, making, making sure that you're getting on their connections um, and then your brand. So we talked about last week how social influencing was all about distributing your own content. So making sure that it was authoritative um, podcast videos to establish authenticity. So, with social networking, you really want to take this content, take this quality content, um, and connect it with others. So, share your brand's content with your audience. Um, make sure that you're engaging, make sure that you're commenting on their um, site. It might be like, oh, check out this latest podcast we did. We mentioned y'all, mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's just really similar to traditional PER, just in the digital world.
0: Yep, definitely. I mean, so, for, I mean, for businesses using, using social networking to reach out to different brands and businesses that are important to your organization on social media. That can be anything like journalists, bloggers, um, podcasters, like, like you had just said, different print publication, radio stations, other agencies, um, any business that has a strong social media presence that you can connect with and, and just, uh, again, interact with them. Right. And, and the people that are also interacting with them, they're going to see you doing that. Yeah. They're going to say, Hey, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Right. And they're going to click on that profile and they're going to go look at him. They're going to check them out. And if Absolutely. you've got quality content on your page and on your feed, that person's more than likely going to want to follow you too, because they're already interested in where they originally found you, which is the same content. So, or similar content. Um, so it's just it, taking that time and understanding who to interact with, doing the research, I mean, you mm-hmm. can open up Instagram and hit the search button and, you know, type in all kinds of things that are related and to your find, business exactly. and, and find just an endless amount of of content out there. So if if people need help doing that, um, agencies are, are most agencies are really mm-hmm. well versed in that and mm-hmm. and figuring out exactly how to do it. And it, at least if you know, you don't really have the the budget to pay an agency to do that for you you can at least find somebody that will help you lay out a strategic plan of how to do it and who to look for and just kind of that process. So you're not going into it blindly.
1: Absolutely. And it's just really social networking. It just allows you to really elevate your business to the next level. It's a high impact activity. It takes a lot of work, just like you said, 10, 12 hours a day. But your business will come out better on the other end.
0: According um, to Gear V, 10 to 12 hours a day. Yeah, oh, man. well, <laughs> I mean, 10, 10
1: to 12 hours a day. Right. Um, but there are, just like you said, there are tools available to help you identify key players. Um, there are paid tools like Pi and Inkybee that allow you to track down bloggers. And then there are also free to- tools like Cloud.com or Cried Home, um that are social scoring platforms. So they kind of score social media um, sites or accounts, excuse me, and tell you how influential people are around certain topics. But just like you said, if you can't pay anyone, you can't really kind of figure anything that out, get on the Explore, kind of do your research. Google it. I mean, look through and just see the most influential bloggers or podcasts that come up. Um, Also not kind of discrediting radio stations and um, newspapers. I think that's also really important. They have social media channels. They are... Very yep. heavily on social media, all major news platforms. So getting on there, engaging with them consistently, even on the local, like the local level, mm-hmm. for your public relations is can be just absolutely ben- like so beneficial yep. um, for your business in the long run.
0: They've had to. You're, I'm really glad you said that. I've I've seen so many uh, different media companies, a lot of radio related. Uh, Get into the social media world, mm-hmm. and they really had to. They didn't have a choice. Yeah. And, but then they started distributing their content that way too, and it was like, oh wait, I've got wait. I've got a digital platform here too. Exactly. If I just you know mm-hmm. build up my audience on social media, I'm already creating content, you know, through yeah. through the different shows and whatnot, and just distributing it differently and interacting mm-hmm. with them differently. So they typically by this time have have enough to your point, enough of a following that they are a great Way to great resource. Um, interact from a local um aspect. Uh, just trying to build that overall social networking. So, that's everything that we have for uh social networking. Part three of understanding social media marketing as a whole, building influence on social media channels. Exactly how to do that. Like I said, we have we're we're three down of four. Our last one next week is going to be on social selling, generating leads and sales from the audience that you've built and the content that you've created. Okay, well, how do we turn that into money? So I'm excited to talk about that one. Mm-hmm. I think that's obviously the end goal of, of most uh, social media marketing efforts. Yep. <laughs> so uh, we will get into that one next week. We'll have a bunch of new uh, headlines for you. Awesome. And
1: uh, we look forward to talking with you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.